Welcome to the A&A Podcast, the Catch-All Christian Podcast where we talk about Jesus, apologetics, theology, and more. We hope to provide a biblical perspective on issues facing young adults today and pray our conversations would draw you closer to the heart of Jesus through each episode. Welcome to the A&A Podcast. Genesis. Now we're on to Exodus. I'm really excited. Exodus is such a lovely book filled with so many um, fun stories, fun and not so fun stories that a lot of us know of. So let's just jump into it. The overview of Exodus um, is that, well, we start off right after Genesis takes place. And if we remember, Genesis ends with um, Joshua. Joshua? No, not Joshua, everyone. Joseph. (laughs) Ends with Joseph. rising to power and the israels the israels oh my gosh i'm struggling the israelites moving there repopulating and populating and populating a lot of people are born and the egyptians are kind of freaking out about it and so they throw them into slavery and that's kind of where it picks up uh we begin exodus there and shortly after the book begins we find out that the israelites that are in slavery have been subjected to really harsh labor it's a really hard time in egypt and the egyptians are very cruel to the israelites then um basically pharaoh is worried that the israelites are gonna like overthrow him with their power because there's so many of them they keep repopulating um as they were told to do be fruitful and multiply anyway and so pharaoh is really cruel and he says i need to kill all the male babies to and under that are born and so basically there's a mass execution of little ones little boys that are to and under um there's this mother though and she hides her baby for months um she hides her baby moses (laughs) and she hides it to the point that now there's this one mother who very tactfully hides her baby for several months and basically until she couldn't keep him quiet anymore so then in order to spare her baby's life what she did is she put the baby in a basket had its sister watch over it and sent it down the river to where pharaoh lived and pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the river that's what they did and this baby shows up and she's like oh it's my baby basically she's like we need a wet nurse like we need someone to nurse this baby and uh uh Moses' sister is there and is like, I know someone. And so basically, uh, Moses' mom gets to uh, feed him and care for him and until he's weaned off of her milk, obviously. And so it's just a really cool way she saved her baby boy's life. And he's raised as royalty in the Pharaoh's home. Um, but he is kind of out of place because he's an Israelite and these are all Egyptians and whatever. Another thing is that when Moses grows up he ends up murdering an Egyptian because something happens um, with an Israelite and basically he runs away so he's a shepherd for a long time and then there's this burning bush which is kind of weird because it's like burning but it's not engulfing it like it's not you know when wood gets burned and like shatters and stuff no it's like perfectly fine so just think about a tree that's perfectly fine but it's on fire so he walks over to there and he's like "Uh, what's going on and he hears this voice and it's the voice of God and he's like Moses I'm calling you and Moses is like I'm just a shepherd and I I can't really speak very well I have a speech impediment and uh Moses asks him 
that's his name, and he says, I am who I am, so Yahweh. And that's the name that God names himself. And so we're introduced to Yahweh. He's been there the whole time, but he gives himself a name, and he is basically like, my people need to get out of slavery, and you're going to be the one that leads them out. And again, Moses is like, I literally, I have a speech impediment. I, I'm not meant for this, and God is like, okay, yeah, you are, but I'll, I'll give you this other guy to come with you. So this guy named Aaron comes with him, and he's shaking into his boots, and they go up to Pharaoh, and they're like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, well, that's stupid, heck no. And so Moses is like, okay, God's going to send these plagues. And so over the course of time, God sends ten plagues, and I couldn't name them all for you if I wanted to. Um, but basically, he sends these ten plagues, and Pharaoh repeatedly goes back, or Moses repeatedly goes back to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, let my people go. And at one point, um, well, basically, Pharaoh's heart just keeps getting more and more hardened, and finally God turns him over to his desires and hardens his heart completely. And the last of these ten plagues is the death of the firstborn. And so in this, um, the angel of death would come over the entire land of Israel, or Egypt, sorry, and kill all the firstborn males of every family. But God made a way out, and he told the, uh, the Israelites to slaughter a spotless lamb and put the blood over the doorposts. When the angel of death came, it would see that blood, and it would pass over the house, not killing anyone inside, and any Egyptians that did the same would be spared as well. And so um, the Israelite people did this, put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, went to sleep, and when they awoke, all the firstborns in Egypt, including Pharaoh's very own firstborn son, died. And so Pharaoh finally says, fine, you guys can go. So the Israelites hightail it out of there, um, but then Pharaoh changes his mind, and they come to, well, they decide to start following the Israelites, and they come to the um, Red River, not the Red River. River, that's where I. <laughs> they most definitely don't cross the Red River. They do cross the Red Sea, though. <laughs> and so, um, basically, they come to this this body of water, and it's like, how are you supposed to get through? And God is like, raise your staff, Moses. And so he raises his staff, and the water parts. And so the Israelites can cross on dry ground. The Egyptians come, and as soon as all the Israelites get across. Moses lowers his arms and the water crashes over all the Israelites. What's really cool is that right now in the Red Sea, there's actually like parts of chariots and stuff that are um, that they found on the Red Sea floor. And so I, I keep wanting to say the Red River. It's not the Red River. That's the river where I'm from. Um, anyway, so that's that. The Israelites um, get across. They're free. And they immediately start complaining. They're like, oh, we don't have any food. We're kind of dying. This is the worst ever. I wish we were still in slavery. We, we At least we'd have food. And, eat, and Moses is like, oh, my gosh, these people are the worst. But God provides for them food from the sky, manna, and quail. And so they are like, we want different food. And God's like, oh, my gosh, these people. And Moses is like, oh, my gosh, these people. But God is gracious. And um, some other things happen. And God is like, fine, if you guys are going to be like this, I'm going to punish you. And then they're like, oh, I'm really sorry. And anyway, they get to Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments happen, and we kind of end in that Mount Sinai time when the Ark of the Covenant is established. So that's a giant overview of the book of Exodus. <laughs> I definitely missed a lot of important parts, um, but now what I want to go back and do is just kind of tell about some really quick, quick stories that you might 
know from the book of Exodus. Like I just said, I just kind of covered a lot of the book, <laughs> but we'll go back and just break it down. So again, we have the Israelite slavery in Egypt, Moses and the burning bush, God naming himself Yahweh through the burning bush, the 10 plagues, including the Passover. One thing to note about these 10 plagues is that um, the Egyptians were obviously a polytheistic society, which meant they worshiped many gods and there was a God for everything. And through each of these 10 plagues, God was basically mocking those fake gods. And so all the idols of the land, um, he was mocking. So that like there was like a sun god that they worshipped, and for one of the plagues, it went dark. And so he was mocking that. Um, for another one, there was like a, a god that was like over the, the river. And I want to say it was like a fertility god. I could be wrong. But anyway, um, basically, he turned the river bloody. Like it was blood and not water anymore. And so that was mocking that god. There was this god that had like a frog head, I believe. And there was a plague of frogs that came on the land. There was a plague of gnats. Um, what were some other ones? There, anyway, basically it's really interesting that each of these ten plagues mocked one of their key gods that they, they worshipped. And so what God was saying through this is that I am mightier than any of these false gods. So anyway, so the Exodus is obviously another story um, across the Red Sea. Quail and manna falling from the sky. I should mention, I missed this part. Um, basically, after they leave Israel, God promises, promises them a promised land that they'll inherit. And so they're walking to that. And that's when all these people are starting to complain and stuff. And basically, they don't get there for a long time because God is like, fine, you're complaining so much, it's going to take you 40 years to get there. That comes later, though. Um, we also have the creation of the Ten Commandments twice and the golden calf that they worship. And the creation of the Ark of the Covenant. So those are just some stories that you might be familiar with, some key events there. Um, let's move to key Bible verses. I couldn't just pick one for this because it was just so hard to narrow them down. Um, Exodus is, I want to say that's probably the most major book, um, the most major, well, the Exodus, the event, is probably the most important event in the Old Testament, and a lot of the New Testament and a lot of what Jesus does actually um, points back to the Exodus. And when Jesus comes to Earth, it's like a it just it just mirrors the account a lot. And I'll talk about that another time. But anyway, here is one of the verses that I found: "I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God, and you will be, and you will know that I, the Lord, am your God." has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians, and this is Exodus 6-7, and um, when it says, you will know that I, the Lord, Lord is capital O, or capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and when you see that in the Bible, that is Yahweh, so that's God's really real name, so he says, and you will know that I, the Yahweh, or Yahweh, am your God who has freed you from these burdens, and again, Yahweh literally means I am who I am, or I am. Like I said, there are countless parallels between the story of the Exodus and the Gospels. One such parallel is the burden that was lifted off the people. For the Israelites, that burden was harsh slavery um, that they had endured for hundreds of years. For Christians, it's the burden sin has placed on us. Without the Lord, both groups would be shackled in slavery, one physically shackled and the other spiritually. What a beautiful picture that is, that God has liberated from our slavery to sin and has brought us into freedom through him. The second Bible verse that I have says, So the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, 
a God gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love and fidelity, continuing his love for a thousand generations and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is Exodus 34, 6 through 7. This is towards the end of Exodus. But um, so reading it with Yahweh. So Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God gracious and merciful. So when there are, in Hebrew, words are repeated for emphasis. So three is like the most emphasized you could um, put something, but twice is very important as well. So when he repeats Yahweh, Yahweh, you know that's something not to be missed. He wants to get across his character. And from that point, from that point back, we can, <laughs> went the wrong way, from that point back, we have been able to see God's character over and over and over again when the people rebel and sin and fall short. God um, always is gracious, loving, merciful, and um, leads away for them. I've heard the argument used against Christianity a lot that the God of the Old Testament is very vengeful and full of anger while the God of the New Testament is uh, loving and accepting. So there must be two different gods. See, they don't even go together. I think the verse that I just read really puts such an argument to rest. I just think that it's a beautiful picture of God's attitude towards his rebellious people um, for the rest of the Bible and even today. So that's just something to keep in mind. How does this book point to Jesus? So Exodus might be one of the most important um, books of the Torah in terms of the connections to Jesus, like I said already. Of course, all books point back to Jesus, um, but many stories from the Exodus are heavily drawn upon in the New Testament. I already told you about the too long didn't read version of um, the Exodus and the Passover, and so I'm not going to go over that again. Um, another way that this points to Jesus is that Jesus is the new and greater Moses and Joshua. What's really cool about the name Joshua, it's, uh, I want to say it's like Yeshua. I, I could be saying it wrong, but basically Joshua and Jesus are the exact same name. So Yeshua is Jesus, Joshua is Yeshua. I don't know why we translated them different, but it's literally the exact same name. And so Moses does not get to lead the people into the promised land because he, uh, he does something that God didn't tell him to do and he didn't trust God. And so he says, Joshua will be the one that leads you into the promised land. Yeshua will be the one that leads you into the promised land. And Joshua does lead them into the promised land. Now Jesus is the one that leads us into the promised land of eternal salvation. And so a lot of things that happen with Joshua also happen with Jesus. Just one is like physically leading them to the promised land and Jesus is spiritually leading us into the promised land. Eventually that will be physical when the new earth comes about, but it's those connections right there are very, it's just so cool. Um, Ten Commandments are another one that point to Jesus. So the law, there's Ten Commandments um, that God gives the people on these tablets, and one of them is like, you shall have no other gods before me. These are created when uh, Moses walks up a mountain, Mount Sinai, and God tells him these commandments on two stone tabs, and Moses comes down the hill, and the people have already made a golden calf and are worshiping it. And he's so mad, he throws the stone tablets down and they break. And he basically goes back up the mountain again and gets a new set of Ten Commandments or the same commandments. But all that to say, the people couldn't keep these commandments for one second. And we're all, we've all fallen short of the law. We are horrible, wretched people, every single one of us listening. 
um, in the world. There is nothing that we could ever do to earn salvation or rightness with God. But what Jesus does is those commandments that we couldn't fulfill, he fulfills them and he makes a way for us to be in perfect relationship with God, which is just tremendously amazing. So undeniably, Exodus points to Jesus. There's no there's no denying it. All right, where does Exodus end? Well, Exodus ends basically with the creation of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle where God will dwell with his people. Um, basically for a long time, God spoke directly to the people, but then they're like, ah, we don't want that. And so he didn't speak directly to them anymore. When they were heading out of Egypt, God um, led them by a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke uh, by day and night. And when they got into this new land, God was like, I need to dwell somewhere. And so they set up the Ark of the Covenant, which had a couple different, like, relics. And it got lost later in the Bible. Like, it was, like, stolen, and then some people are, like, getting plagues because they stole it and they returned it. Basically, we have no idea where the Ark of the Covenant is right now. But in this Ark, or on top of it, was this thing called the Mercy Seat. And there were two cherubim on top, like, little, uh, little angel-looking guys, and basically God dwelled right there with the people. And so God was physically in the land with the people, and later in the Bible, they rebel so badly that God takes his presence away from them, um, and later it returns, but that's another story. So that's where it ends. Next time, we will go into the next book of the Bible, which is just Leviticus, <laughs> and we'll talk about that next time. I know I talked really fast. I know I talked for a long time. Um but I hope it made somewhat sense. Again, like always, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them down below. If you want to DM us, our DMs are always open. Follow us on Instagram for some updates and other fun things. Our Instagram is at aapod2022. Again, that's at aapod2022. Anyway, that's it for today. I'll talk at you next time. For listening to this week's episode of the a and a podcast please consider leaving a like and a comment on apple spotify or google Podcasts so others can find our show and get connected to jesus you can stay connected with us both on instagram and youtube at aapod2022 again that's at aapod2022 have any topics you'd like here discussed or questions you'd like answered dm us on instagram business inquiries can be emailed to us at a and a pod 22 at gmail.com again that's a and a pod 22 at gmail.com may the lord strengthen and bless you today and always <laughs>